Good morning. It's great to be together as the family of God this morning. Let us pray together. Jesus, we come. We embrace the truths of these beautiful words. Father, we ask that you would come and meet with us this day. We know that we are indeed uh, blessed people. And yet we also know that many here are carrying burdens and some are very, very heavy. Jesus, would you come? Would you teach us? Would you give us ears to hear? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come alongside of each one of us and fill us afresh today. Work in such a way that we walk out of here today in love more and more with the Lord Jesus. Father, we ask that you would come in your boldness and power and accomplish these things for the glory of Christ and the good of each child of God here today. We pray in his precious name. Amen. Let us hear the inerrant, infallible word of God as it's found in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The word of the Lord. As Maggie said, our O kids are here with us worshiping in July. And that gives our ministry team a break. And some of those teachers rarely get into a full worship service because they are ministering to the kids week after week. We have a great children's staff and volunteers. And kids, today, I want to encourage you to listen for a number of things in this sermon. Kids, I encourage you to listen for a story about a dog. And also, listen for something that a man said who lived in the third century. That would make this man very, very old, even older than I am. And then, listen for the one thing that we need to do to have joy. As you know, we're talking about R and R. Our constant R is remaining in Jesus. We've heard about repenting resolving, risking, reducing, remembering, regrouping, resting, representing, and rising. And today, you've already figured out that we're talking about rejoicing. Time for confessions. I chose rejoice for a number of reasons. I thought it would be a positive, rather easy sermon to put together. It wasn't. I chose rejoice because I know that I want to live more joyfully. 
and because sometimes I'm not joyful. I chose rejoice because I have so much to be joyful about. And the confession is that as I have been um, preparing this, I have been a sourpuss, sullen, gloomy, grouchy, complaining, griping, a crank. It's been disheartening to be working on a message about rejoicing, rejoicing and being such a grump. Others may not have seen it so much, but I know that the one closest to me has seen it. Um, now, I know everyone's trying to locate Rita right now. Um, she was supposed to have nursery duty, and I think she has slipped in um, from there, so I'm not going to look at her, so you can't find her if you don't know where she is. Um, you know, we had a dog once because I was a grump. About 20 years ago, I found myself in the hospital, and I was facing open-heart surgery. It was late at night. Rita had gone home to be with the kids who were young at the time and um, needed some semblance of normalcy in the house. I was lying there thinking, and um, in situations like that, many deep thoughts come to you. Um, My deep thoughts were these. I had two main deep thoughts. Um, I'm going to die. And the second deep thought was, my kids are going to remember me as a grump because I never would let them have a dog. (laughs) Long story short, I survived um, and I got the kids a dog. I got the cutest little Dotson um, from Richard and Christine Miller. Um, I didn't know that Dotsons were so territorial. Um, The dog would fiercely protect and defend Rita to the point of biting every lady who came in the house. But then I found out that Dotsons live forever. (laughs) That's another story and you'll have to ask me about it. Um, But if I thought I was a grump before I got a dog, oh my goodness. Um, Speaking of joy from a biblical perspective raises so many different questions. What really does rejoice mean? Where does it come from? Can we really rejoice always? What about emotions like sadness and grief? What is their relationship to joy? What do we rejoice about? What gives you joy? What makes you happy? How would you rate yourself on a scale of joy, with one being a super grump and ten being a peaceful, content joy? Where would you rate yourself? Would you rather spend time with a happy person or with a grump? Is grumpy sitting beside you this morning? Or is grumpy in your chair? (laughs) We live in a world that tells us where our joy is found. In a recent article, a retirement expert, whatever that is, um, and I find all these retirement experts are not retired, so I'm not sure how they can be experts, but they're all um, way far away from retirement. But he answered the question um, in a meeting, what makes people happy in retirement? This expert, Michael Fink, he was speaking in New York City for a financial and investment company, and he said, there seems to be three pillars of happiness in retirement. The first pillar is money. You are happier if you have more money. Okay, we could expect that in our culture. He then spoke on the importance of health. 
in connection with our joy. We could certainly understand that. And then, interestingly, he concluded this. True happiness comes from friendships and the depth of friendships and the number of friendships that you have with other people. And then he said, and even when we look at spending, what we see is that social spending, deeper relationships, is what really makes people happy. I hear frequently from wonderful people um, that I don't have any good friends. Um, No one ever calls me. I am tired of calling others. And my advice there is this. Nurture two relationships. First, nurture the relationship with Jesus. And then contact others. Who cares who calls first? Question, who brings you joy? Let them know it. It may be a friend or a grandchild or a workmate. Is there someone whose laugh you love to hear? Laughter and rejoicing are contagious. Whether it's the seasoned laugh of a senior or a newfound laugh of a baby. Every Sunday morning early, I am blessed, and it causes me to rejoice as I experience the same thing over and over and over as I sit in my office over here. Tap and Linda, who many of y'all know, come every Sunday morning to pray for the church and whatever is going on. And that is something that a pastor rejoices about when people are praying. But then Tap will take the power blower out to the patio, or he'll clean the front windows like this morning. And he sings often to the top of his lungs. And let me just tell you that I am blessed every Sunday morning because his joy and his rejoicing is contagious. One of my three sons is more joyful when he goes to yoga. Every now and then I say, it's time for a yoga class. <laughs> this morning, I have some questions and some thoughts for you. First, what does it mean to rejoice? As I started studying this, I wanted to make a big distinction um, to you between being happy and having joy. And some writers make that distinction, but many do not. Some felt that happiness is only tied to circumstances and often to sinful behavior, and that's just not true. One respected professor said, joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Happiness is used often to define rejoicing. Scripture even says this in just one place that I'll point out, um, Psalm 68, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. So I'm going to be using both terms interchangeably, joy and happiness. You don't make a distinction between rain and wet. Rain is wet. I will treat happiness and joy as synonyms this morning. Two times in Philippians 4, we are commanded to rejoice in the fourth verse. When scripture repeats it, and it repeats always to get our attention. It repeats in order to say, don't miss this. The Greek word here that is translated as rejoice is from kara. One author, Campbell, describes this as a deep and abiding inner joy, which 
was promised to those who abide, remain. Think of our sermon series, remain in Christ. He says, it does not depend on circumstances, but it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. Our rejoicing has to be in something outside of our circumstances. That's where we get hung up on this rejoicing because so much of life has to do with really tough circumstances. Start naming some of the difficult things you have faced in your own family recently. Maybe health or paying bills or relational pain or sin, selfishness, rebellion, lying, hurtful words, desertion, and on the list could go. We live in a profoundly broken world. Rejoice? You must be kidding. But Paul tells us to rejoice. And he writes from a prison cell. And let me just say that in Rome at that time, a dingy, dirty prison cell had no resemblance to our jails today and certainly not to our daily lives. Our rejoicing should not simply be tied to good circumstances. We don't rejoice because of our circumstances, but we can rejoice in our circumstances, knowing that God is with us and for us. In prison, Paul tells us what to rejoice in. Rejoice in the Lord. There are certainly times that we find great joy in circumstances when the sun is shining and when the bills are paid and when relationships are good. But so often, life is so hard. And that really is how we learn to rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord changes everything. We're not rejoicing in our own strength or our efforts, our merit, or in the circumstances of life. An important thing to say is that our rejoicing in the Lord does not mean that we do not struggle with sadness and grief and pain and other deep emotions. We do. And Jesus himself did. Jesus struggled with deep sorrow. In fact, we know that he was called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Matthew 26 tells us, And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And John Piper speaks on this passage. And he gives a number of ways that Jesus dealt with his deep sorrow. And these are certainly instructive for us. First, Jesus chose some close friends to be with him, taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He was honest with them. He said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. He asked for their intercession and partnership in the battle. He said, remain here and watch with me. He poured out his heart to his father in prayer. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus rested his soul in the sovereign wisdom of God, as he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he fixed his eyes on the glorious future grace that awaited him on the other side of the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Joy for the follower of Jesus is certainly compatible with deep emotions of sorrow and pain and grief. How could it not be? We are told to weep with those who weep and to rejoice 
with those who are rejoicing. Jesus said to his followers in John 16, Therefore, you too now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one takes your joy away from you. And Isaiah 31 says, Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. Rejoicing in the Lord has an awareness and a conviction that God is in the circumstances. Psalm 31, I will, get, I will be glad and rejoice in your love for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. We are to rejoice in the Lord and what he has done and what he is doing. Isaiah says it beautifully in Isaiah 61. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Paul had just spoken of this very thing right before he tells us to rejoice in Philippians 4. In Philippians 3, he said, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. We are in Christ and we can rejoice. We rejoice knowing that God has redeemed us, knowing that God is in all areas and all circumstances of life. And he sends his Holy Spirit as the comforter. He walks alongside us, especially in the tough times. We can quietly and humbly rejoice in the Lord. Can we really rejoice always? Paul exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Can I really rejoice all the time? If rejoicing means a giddiness in my circumstances, the answer is no. If rejoicing ties to my awareness of God's love and presence with me, if it has to do with my resting in him and finding a deep soul contentment and satisfaction in him. Yes, I can rejoice in the Lord in a growing, maturing way daily. Another way to come at this is to ask why we should rejoice always. And that just seems crazy, doesn't it? Rejoice always. Because life is falling apart half the time, it seems. While there are many reasons why we should rejoice, one reason why we should rejoice always is that joy, rejoicing, similar to gratitude, is an incredible weapon that we have to wield in the spiritual battle of life. Rejoicing is like an antidote to a snake bite. We know that we're living a a daily battle. We have an enemy who would love to destroy us. A challenge and encouragement to you today is to use this tool. It's an offensive weapon rejoicing. Soldiers in the thick of battle use the weapons which are provided for them. Step into your situation, your battle, with the weapon, the tool the Lord has provided, that of rejoicing. If the battle is daily... Use the weapon of rejoicing daily, always. What do we need to do 
to be able to rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul writes in jail with guards around him, and he says that it is the peace of God which actually guards his heart, his mind, our hearts, our minds. And that comes to you after praying and giving thanks. And then he tells us to think right thoughts. How do we experience rejoicing? It has everything to do with prayer, presenting our requests to the Lord. And it has everything to do with the things upon which our minds dwell. If we meditate on the things which the world spews at us, how can we think that we're going to have the ability to think true and good thoughts. We have the world at our fingertips, do we not? Social media, a lot of good things are there and a lot of things which will lead us not to rejoice. Do your gadgets control you or do you control your gadgets? If you want to know the real answer to that, ask someone near to you. Rejoicing comes from our minds dwelling and meditating on things that are true and noble and right and pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Psalm 104, may my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. Thinking the right things is hard work. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, there's only one thing that can give true Joy, and that is contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ. A little bit more on that in a minute. The challenge is to spend time putting the right things into your mind, the truths of God, into your mind, into your heart, into your life. When you wake up, do it, or when you're going to bed, do it. Whatever works for you, do it. As we seek to be disciples here at Orangewood, advancing Christ's kingdom, We have to be committed to transformation coming through our growth in the Lord. Can you imagine all of us growing in our joy and how it would impact our worship and our community and our service, not to mention our own relationships and our families and our very own hearts. The joy being spoken of has a deep dependence an awareness of God's care and love in the midst of even tough circumstances. And this leads to what Paul says is the contentment which he has learned. Rejoicing in the Lord is closely tied to our learning contentment. If Paul had to learn it, so do we. If Paul could learn it, so can we. Paul says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And remember, he's sitting in jail penning these words. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How do you learn patience? 
by being in circumstances in which patience is needed. It's the same with contentment. You and I must be in tough circumstances to learn it. Listen to 1 Peter 1. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Paul had a secret for being content. Paul did what we must do. And that is the one thing. Take a good look at Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Jesus and joy go together. The life of Jesus on earth began as good news of great joy for all people from Luke 2. And then in one of his last prayers in John 17, he prays that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And then we go to the final chapter of the final book of scripture, Revelation Um, And it says, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. It's talking about joy without end. And from beginning to end with Jesus, there is joy. Jesus experienced joy. We're told in Hebrews 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus and joy are as close as rain and wet are. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, let us also hear the echo of his words to his followers in Luke 10. The 72 had been sent out. They had done amazing things um, in the power of the Lord. And they come back, they're saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And this is what he said back to them. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in the truth, my dear friends, that the author of life himself has written your name, if you're a follower of Jesus, in the book of life. You are redeemed You are a child of God. We sang it just now. And may we believe those words that we sing. Before I end, it's really important for me to say that rejoicing is not about trying to pretend that we're not in pain. We might wonder sometimes if we're just to fake it. And the answer is no, no, no. We certainly are not. I can remember in school one day, I was with some Christian friends and we were talking about life and the struggles of life. We were talking about real issues. And all of a sudden, one friend says, y'all stop. Here comes so-and-so. He's not a Christian. Let's act like we're happy. He was saying, let's fake it. No one is drawn to Christ by our faking it. We must be real. 
The world needs to see the followers of Christ dealing with the deep issues of life, humbly trusting in a God who promises to walk alongside of us in everything. Another friend in college wrote a book about our impacting the world and friends who do not yet know the Lord. And you see the cover there. It's not get better, get perfect, or fake it. It's not get done, get right, get going. It's get real. That is what the world needs as we seek to be disciples advancing Christ's kingdom. As we represent Jesus, going back to Craig's sermon, we must know that the world needs us to be authentic and real, not hiding and pretending or faking it. A daily devotional recorded this account from an early follower of Jesus. As a third century man was anticipating death, he penned these last words to a friend. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them, he wrote. Are you one of them? May you and I grow and mature and learn joy and contentment, knowing the promise of the peace of God and the God of peace being with us. As we do, we will be able to say with Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. May we know joy, Jesus, which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of sinful life. Jesus changes everything. Let us pray. Father, we confess that so often joy seems to be elusive for us. We ask that we would indeed be able to embrace the joy of the Lord Jesus. Lord, sometimes if we're truthful, it seems like we're just surviving and just hanging on. We ask that you would now help us to see Jesus. We ask that you would help us to think upon those things which are true and righteous and holy and just. Father, may we think the right thoughts in order that we might experience the right emotions. Father, would you deepen our trust, our dependence upon you. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to pray this morning for a group going to Acapulco to minister in the Acapulco Children's Home. I'm going to ask if they will stand where they are. We have a group of about 20. Many of you sponsor. Um, If you're going, please stand. Um, Even if you're standing all by yourself around. Okay, I do see Rita there. They're standing around. Um, Many of you support children there. Thank you for sending your gifts. Um, David Castor is not going to be going with us this um, trip. And he's going to pray for us as we go. But we have 20 people going down to love the children of Kasogar. There's at any given time 45 to 55 children there. Most of them do not have parents um, actively involved in their lives. And we go down to love on them, but also to love on a staff that is very tired and worn out. You can imagine dealing with um, 
45 or 55 children um, every day. Um, some of them 24 hours a day um, are ministering there. And so we're going to ask David if he would pray for us. David? Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we pray for this team that's going down to Acapulco. Lord, I pray that you would give them everything that they need. Lord, give them the humbling the humbleness to serve, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give them teachable hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give them the words of encouragement, um, whether it's uh, through a smile, through um, just playing a, a game or doing a puzzle together, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would um, give them traveling mercies as they go down, Lord. Lord, I pray for the parents who are entrusting uh, us to go down, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give them peace, Lord, uh, through the whole week, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give um, uh, them uh, good health, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that you, when they put their head down on the pillow, that they would have a good night's sleep, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would um, just give them uh, what they need to serve, Lord, and Lord, I pray that you would prepare the hearts of the team going down and the, the, the Casa Hagar students that are there, Lord, and the staff that's there, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would um, um, just, they would just represent you in, a, in, in such a real way that, um, that they would um, consider missions and they would consider in their young lives a career uh, path through this uh, trip. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, David. As we rejoice, I rejoice um, today that um, it is David's birthday. And um, so we rejoice in David. <laughs> <Thank you. Yeah. laughs> um, 